Great news, my cruciferous cousins. Plant Strong Foods is hosting a March Madness Meals and Minutes sale. Visit plantstrong.com and save up to 30% on every one of our ready-to-eat chilies and stews. It is the perfect time to stock up on these heat-and-eat tasty meal solutions. Having a stash in your pantry means you're never more than 90 seconds away from a satisfying meal. The sale runs through March 17th while supplies last. Visit plantstrong.com today. Whenever I introduce this lifestyle to a new group, the most common question that I always receive is, what in the world are we going to eat besides twigs and berries and grass? The preconceived notions about how limiting this lifestyle are so incredibly erroneous. In Pittsburgh, we gave our participants in the Heart of a Hero campaign an in-depth rundown of what to eat in a day. And today, you're going to get a primer on what to eat directly from the mother source, my mother source. In fact, who better to whip up some culinary creativity than my mother, Anne Kyle Esselstyn, and my sister, Jane Halley Esselstyn. Together they have amassed thousands of followers on YouTube that get to share a front row seat to their playful antics in Jane's actual kitchen. And they give their audience the confidence to roll up their sleeves and try all kinds of new things. Jane and Ann have become absolute experts on healthy plant-based cooking and there isn't a plant they aren't afraid to try. True story my mother once pulled some green leafy weeds from her garden, cooked them up as a side dish to their meal, and both my mother and father got deathly ill soon thereafter. They looked it up, and this particular weed was deathly toxic, but the good news is they were able to recover and, uh, and live to eat many more green leafies, and suffice it to say, Anne is a lot more cautious now when she is picking green leafies from her garden. I want you to prepare to be inspired by two people who deeply inspire me, my mother, Anne, and my sister, Jane. Okay, I am here with Anne Esselstyn and Jane Esselstyn. We had Anne on season one of the Plant Strong podcast. But surprisingly, this is the first time that I've had Jane on, and I thought it would be appropriate that when I had Jane on to also have Ann on, because you guys are almost like Tweedledee and Tweedledum in, in many <laughs> ways. Uh, and it's really, it's amazing to me to see how, how you guys have become almost like best, best friends, like over the last couple of years. And I'd just like, love to hear it from each of you. Like what? How would you describe your relationship? <laughs> no, well, we're we're next door neighbors, and and we're working partners at times, and James and my parents, so they're next door, and and I feel so lucky in the when they were doling out parents that somehow I got Anna and Essie as my parents. Like, what are the chances, and what luck? And then to be next door to them and to work with them is just amazing. So I don't know how – it's a weird to categorize parental-child relationship as best frenzy, but it – but we are totally companions. The luckiest thing was for us was when you guys moved next door. That was just incredible. It's the and, way it should and be. And to have our kids, our, your children grow up and we can – I just watch them, you know, pick them up at school. It's been fantastic. And cheer them and on then, at swim but, meets. But Jane, the best part is <laughs> when Jane is, was cooking and making all the recipes for your three books, Rip, Essie and I were the recipients of every, so many meals that I didn't have to cook for the longest time. All right. It's funny how what a gift that is when oh, someone cooks for God, you. It is funny so what nice. a gift it is. Well, and so for people that don't know, Jane spearheaded the the recipe sections in my last three books. So 
Plan Strong, then the Engine 2 Seven Day Rescue, and then the Engine 2 Cookbook. It's funny. I thought there were two books, and I was like, wait, three? Yeah. But I forgot. I, I yeah. don't know what I was wrong. Yeah, there were three. Well, the seven. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah there's three. And, this, yeah. and we did our book together. Yeah. Which yeah. was great. And, 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 and actually, without Jane, I would just not be doing anything because she is the leader. She has the ideas. It so. is so funny to hear you say that because that's so not true. Yes, I do logistics. I, I type things up. I write, you know, we need this, but we need this, we need this. Let's do this, this, this. And you're like, oh, Jane, that's too much. And then once we start, you just <laughs> run with it and you hijack the whole show. Well, <clears throat> and so you, when you say the show, and, and a lot of the listeners may or may not know, but Jane probably, what, two years ago now? You started a, a, exactly a YouTube ago, channel, right? Exactly two years ago. You started a YouTube channel, and it's basically it's, it's you and Anne that are on every episode doing, right. doing something, something different, usually related to cooking, right? Yeah, well, plant perfect and plant strong stuff. And the first time Jane had me go over, she... she we were going to do our guidelines, and I just stood there like I was totally, like I didn't want to be there. I didn't know why I was there. There was no, there was no classroom or participants like, or uh, people like to horrible. talk to. So, and now it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, if you want to laugh, go back to the first of our YouTubes and look at how yeah. she was grumpy pants. Well, how, how, many, how many different YouTube uh, shows have you done now? You mean video? videos? Yeah. Um, gosh, what have we done, Mommy? I think we don't 70. No. 70? But, Rip, let me tell you something I'm, absolutely crazy. Uh -huh. Now, Essie has been the spearhead of all of this for all of us. I mean, he is the right, pioneer. Yeah. A pioneer. I mean, he's behind it all. And now, when we travel, when we go places, I mean, even when we go to places like Denmark or Iceland, I cannot believe the number of people that come up to me and say, oh, oh I love your videos. And Essie's standing right there beside me, and I'm feeling, well, I'm just about as <laughs> well known as you now. The line of people to talk James to me is as, is as long as yeah. the line well, to talk to Essie. What to me is so perfect about it is when I go back, when we started doing um, our weekend events, back going now gosh seven eight years ago and, and you two would do your cooking demonstrations and people would come up i know they come up to you but they'd also come up to me and say your mother and your sister need to have their own cooking show they are they're a hoot they are so educational they are amazing and and now you guys also you have your own show right yeah so for, for years we were waiting for someone to say hey we design cooking shows yeah, we you were waiting for that not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know what to think what would happen. I mean, we just sort of waited and then. And so, and what's this cooking show uh, called now that you have besides your YouTube channel? GE Appliances, which is a company, which is part of a company called Hire, H A I E R. Mm -hmm. They're an innovative um, researchers group or company, and they were looking for the next new thing to do, um, you know, with the internet. So they saw that we had. High engagement numbers. Yeah, and they were like all the lot. Most of the comments were positive. There's plenty of people who have negative things to say, which is fine. And they, so they approached us. I don't us. even know how to get on the internet to, to that. I can't. I don't know what the negative comments are. So this uh, branch of GE Appliances from uh, owned by Hire approached us and said, "Hey, we have this company called Cooking with Chibo, and you're you can cook live." And people who sign up to take this class with you will get a, a, a grocery list and they'll cook live with you at a set time on a set date. And it's like a nice dinner together. We, we cook for, it's almost about an hour plus of cooking, hour and a half of cooking and plenty of time just talking and explaining or first answering time, questions. First time we did it, they flew us down to Louisville to one of their test kitchen types mm -hmm. things, which just happened to be in a little old house. Anyway, but now now we're doing it from our home, which is oh, that's that's nice. Which is nicer for us, just convenient wise. But we'll see. We hope to continue with them. You know, yeah. doing occasional shows. So you you guys have both been immersed in this you know plant strong lifestyle for decades. You know, Anne, you and Essie started this in 1984. Jane, I would imagine, like what early 1990s, if not sooner. Mm -hmm. But but my 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 point is, 
you've been doing it, you've, you've made it work uh, in your, you know, busy lives, kids, like what advice would you give to somebody as far as what do you do to prepare for each week? Like, do you batch cook on Sundays? Do you make a dressing that you can then like, you know, have for, you know, salads, uh, the rest of the week? What, what are just a couple of little tips you'd give for somebody? Jane, you go. Oh, it's so funny. I was going to be like, mommy's going to want to go first. Because <laughs> as soon as I start, she's going to chime in and say, oh, no, no. So what I, uh, I want to say is that, first of all, I've heard what, what Rip, how you explain it often is like, we would not be able to eat this way if it wasn't just drop dead simple. Because it is. And it, we wouldn't be able to maintain eating this way for decades and decades and decades if it wasn't just simple. And I guess once we've identified the difficult to cook things, which basically only means the time consuming things, once you have that down, it is so easy to eat and cook this way. I'm going to use the wrong word. I overcook. I don't mean cook too long. I mean, I over prepare whenever I'm making brown rice or if I'm ever making pasta or potatoes or sweet potatoes or any grain or quinoa. And when I'm making a sauce, you know, to go with this stuff, from you know red sauce to a walnut sauce to a peanut sauce to a lo mein noodle sauce, whatever I'm making, I make way more sauce than I need so that those extra difficult, time-consuming things to make are, um, are, are prepared. And for me, that makes a difference with kids because the kids will have some of the stuff for lunch the next day or if they don't like the dinner so much, they'll have a little bit of the dinner from the night before because there's always leftovers. So that helps with me. And the other thing is that I have the absolute convenience that I work from home quite a bit. So I don't have the crunch time, oh my God, everyone's home and everyone's starving thing. But if, but I, what I, plenty of times I have had, have had that, having these things prepared and ready helps so much, helps so much. Right. So it sounds to me like, so two of your big things are to overcook, meaning not <laughs> overcook, but, but to overprepare. Make, yes, overprepare. Yeah, right. And then, and then also to have like sauces ready and available for them to put on. Yeah, just just today. Um, yeah, our son was home from college just recently, and and I saw him like in the kitchen doing exactly what I hope they do. He grabbed some extra rice. He smelled it, and I was from the night before. Mm -hmm. And then he grabbed. We had some extra um, tofu cubes and some Brussels sprouts, and he heated those up in what I like to call Chef Mike the microwave, and then. He puts, was rummaging around the fridge while it was warming up, and he found the sauce he wanted. And I had a peanut sauce. I had a lo mein noodle sauce. I had a salad dressing. And I was thinking, which one's he going to choose? And then he poured it on and put some arugula next to it. And that was his lunch. Which one did he choose? Which sauce? He chose a, a curry peanut sauce. So, so you just named off about four or five like go-to dressings there. How long would you say on average it takes you to make each one of these dressings? So... Jane um, is really good at making the dressings. But um, you, you make your dressing every night, and I don't know yeah. why you don't make a ton of it. I don't, I, because it takes two minutes, and I, you know, I just make, I do it every night. And uh, I, sometimes I make extra, and that's great, and I love that. But I find that I'm cooking for two and not for six like I used to. And so I don't love to cook a whole lot of sweet potatoes because then I'm forced to eat sweet potatoes when I don't want them. <laughs> and I mean, I love to have extra rice, but I tend... And you eat everything. I mean, I come we, over and you guys are eating like... I mean, we don't have... And if... What do you mean we're eating everything? You eat, you'll have like... Well, tonight we had two bushels of asparagus and a kombucha squash. And I'm like, and what else? She's like, oh no, it was... We each had a huge kombucha squash. I mean, <laughs> the size of your head. I mean, in, uh, anyway, no, you, but the, you're always but, eating. But, but to Rip's point, yeah, I totally think, for instance, I think breakfast, people have to figure out the same thing and eat the same thing every day. And I think it's really nice if every member of the family knows how to make his or her own breakfast and does it. So so, so this almost sounds more like for, for people that are just getting started with this lifestyle, because right now with... You know the game changers and everything that's going on right now. People are. Changing. We have a lot of people mm -hmm. that are that are coming on board. For people who are just getting started with this lifestyle, what's your advice? I absolutely think you take what do you like to eat, and then you go from there, and you substitute 
let's say you love meat, all right, what are you going to do? Well, you could get a big portobello mushroom, which is very meaty, and cook and, and use that. Uh, what I would suggest that anybody starting not do is try and replace meat, replace cheese with a fake vegan cheese or a all the fake meats because you're just getting into vegan junk food, and that's not a place to go. So the I transition mean, transition things you that's that's a I, I would positive word for what we feel the transition, is a negative drop thing. Drop the transition things and just just go for it. And if you don't do that, you're not going to recognize the benefits of eating this way mm-hmm. as quickly as if you just go into it and and do it. And and but make it simple. You know, we find rice and beans are is a is a go-to meal. And yeah, it's great to make a whole batch of good beans and have leftover beans. And it's great to make a lot of rice and have leftover rice. Um, and uh, like sweet potatoes are terrific. Baked potatoes are great. I love pasta or any kind of pasta, but I don't like it just plain. I like it filled with kale, with, you know, take a package of frozen mixed vegetables and put it in the boiling pasta so you have more vegetables than you do pasta and yeah. then pasta sauce. When you do that, you do usually do the frozen vegetables, what, like two minutes before you take out the uh, pasta? Yeah, you can do that in either way. The problem with when you put a frozen vegetables in, it kind of makes everything stop. So I tend to put it in, um, you know, pasta takes maybe seven, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think I just put the kale in kind of right maybe a few minutes afterwards and then the vegetables and cook it until your pasta is done. But that's a really fantastic meal that is so quick, so easy, and everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. Jane, what would you add to that? Um, well, my head's spinning with uh, all kinds of go-to things that are easier than we think. Because um, the, the word that I've heard you both say repeatedly is, Keep it simple, right? I mean, don't don't overcomplicate this. Keep this yeah. as simple as possible. Um, and I mean, and the grocery store has really helped. Like, you know, you can get bags of salad prepared, ready to go, and you can choose to rinse that stuff off or not. It's your choice. And you asked about sauces a few minutes ago, and so for I know for really quick, quick dressing for a salad for some salad or even a salad and a grain and a bean. I love how simple my three, two, one is. It's three tablespoons of balsamic vinegar, two tablespoons of mustard, and one tablespoon of maple syrup. But I find if you have a really fine, one of those sort of, I, I hate using this word, but like those fancy designer vinegar stores, those vinegars are so almost, they're not almost like glazes. They're really sweet. I don't need to put the maple syrup in when I use those balsamics. Um, but any, that being said, three, two, one is so easy and it's, it's a great foundation, and I add hummus to it sometimes if I want a thicker dressing, or you could add horseradish or chives or pepper or garlic or whatever you want, and it will just you know use that foundation of three, two, one as a place to go from. And you can make a ton of three cups of balsamic, two cups of mustard, one cup of maple syrup. This is the three, two, one ratio for the foundation and keep it in your fridge. And all those things stay no problem in your fridge. As you know, they're probably living in your fridge door in the archives of the museum that is the fridge door. Right. So let's say that you're going to pull out all the stops. You got, you know, some special friends coming into town and you want to wow them mm-hmm. with eating this way. What What do you, like, what are maybe two or three kind of wow meals that you would make? Oh. Well, my wow meal is rice and beans. Sorry. <laughs> it's rice and beans, but it's spectacular spread out. And that's what I love is it's an so, every, so, night, every night rip. And it also is our special meal that we have, for instance, when we have a lot of family on Christmas Eve and we want a, a special dinner. So, and we have rice and beans. Can't wait, rip. Rice know, and beans can, and frozen corn say, that but, we but, thought. But I want you to be more specific. I am. No, listen. You say <laughs> rice and beans. What kind of rice? What okay, kind of beans? Brown rice black beans and you know don't be afraid to cook the black beans from scratch it's surprisingly dried dried you mean dried beans Uh, but either even from a can and if you're doing it from a can for heaven's sakes just open the can drain the beans under hot water and you've got hot beans ready to go and you can do the same thing with frozen corn thawed under the water put some of that on chop some tomato on top 
And then on top of that, you can put, oh my gosh, the best is to put fresh mango. Mm. And or mm -hmm. Jane uses frozen rip, you use frozen. No, a lot. only when it's not but a I good love season. The fresh if possible. Mm -hmm. And then if you could put uh, if you have guests, we would have guacamole. If it's just my husband and me, uh, we tend not to, or if you're trying to have someone with heart disease, no. Yeah. But it's the most beautiful meal, and people are just like, woo! So what makes it so special is when you do it for Christmas, you have nicer plates. Oh, yeah, you just have it out looking beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. it's a, and it's so colorful. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of become something that we, well, what's I think what is actually further behind this is that we grew up with a lazy Susan table. So it wasn't like, at the front of the table, you know, your father served the dinner and, you know, or your mother created dishes. The food was in the middle of the table and it was a really democratic process. You put on your plate what you were going to eat. And this little, you know, this internal circle of food was spun around, you know, will, at, at your own will. And occasionally you get into little food tussles of who's going to rotate which towards themselves. But this build your own plate. I know like build your own bowl is now very trendy, but I feel like it's spot on for how we have all created our own things. So at my house, I have this lazy Susan style, build your own plate, build your own bowl, or like to be more culturally appropriate, maybe a Chipotle, build your own, you know, build your own meal kind of things. And I love having not just rice and beans. I mean, I love rice and beans, but I've, I've, that model of build your own, I think has been really successful in our household at a potato bar, you know, Yukon gold potatoes, and then you build, you know, put a nest of arugula underneath it or, or spinach or whatever kind of green you want, and then add beans or barbecue mushrooms and all these different sauces. I've had such fun with sauces and salsas and spreads. They're the answer to being able to eat this way. Totally. And tons of vegetables. And then a sweet potato bar or a quinoa, a quinoa, well, the quinoa bowl in our household, we call that the Buddha bowl. And so we have Buddha bowls sometimes. And again, sauces are the key to it for us. And um, I think plant perfect is harder. It's harder, it's harder sauces because so many of the sauces have, have got nuts and stuff that it's harder. But I find I like some of the really good balsamic vinegars uh, just as much as I like um, the, the sauces. Or, I mean, they're a great... They're great. And also, you know, ma a mango salsa is awesome mm -hmm. to have on top. Mm -hmm. Just amazing. Mm -hmm. And mangoes have a certain, I'm not going to get a right food word here, but like they're, they're viscous and they're slimy. <laughs> so they're kind of saucy. My other favorite meal, right. and it's w which I do for guests, is I have uh, some restuffed potatoes that I make. And I love those. Mm. And your grandchildren love them. And, your yeah, grandchildren and, love but them. But it takes some time to do it. And I have a tricky way to do it. So... I What's so cute is that your grandchildren... Bake the potatoes. Okay. I bake the potatoes. How do you do it? I bake the potatoes, <laughs> I along with the potatoes, in a parchment paper and then wrapped in tin foil. I put onion and garlic, so that bakes along with a potato. Oh. And that becomes the some of the liquid to when you mash these potatoes. After you've baked them, you cut them in half, take out the potato, mash them, add the liquidy garlic, uh, onion and garlic, and then any alternative milk and nutritional yeast. And you put it back inside. And then I put it back inside. And you bake it again. And bake it again. And then it gets and, nice But and I also add some kale. I cook some kale and mix that in. Oh. And I actually try and put kale or greens in almost everything. So along with our big row of vegetables with the rice and beans would be maybe a thing of cooked kale or a big bowl of just arugula or something you can, some greens that you can put on. My kids call, this is one of their favorite dishes that Ann makes for them, and they call it open-faced potatoes, which I love that, that that's how they, they interpret it. It's just this open-faced, yummy potato, and it's beautifully baked. Everyone's going to want that recipe. Everyone's going to want that recipe now. If you listen to season two of Plant Strong, you know that we are huge, 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 huge fans of protecting our microbiome. Just like in humans, it's not surprising that the bacteria inside a dog's gut influences his or her immune system, hormone levels, digestion, and basically every facet of their health. That's why the team at Wild Earth uses unique yeast proteins in their adult dog food specifically to feed and fortify the dog's gut bacteria. If you want more information on the human microbiome, please go visit 
the season one episode featuring Dr. Robin Shutkan. And if you want to help improve your dog's microbiome, like I have with Jade's microbiome, visit wildearth.com and enjoy 40% off your first order if you use the code PLANTSTRONG. So when I was home for Thanksgiving, you were super excited about making some um, some new panini sandwiches. Oh. So, Anne, what's your favorite sandwich these days? Jane, do you have a favorite sandwich too? Well, you go first. My favorite thing is something very simple, is hummus, green onions, cilantro, or you could use parsley. And on top of that is a big slice of tomato. And then you get, what's it called? Tempeh? Tempeh. Just the basic original tempeh. And I slice it in pieces that are about an eighth of an inch thick. And I put that in a, in a frying pan. And I get liquid smoke. And in liquid smoke, if you get the right kind, only has liquid water and smoke in it. And I put a little on each piece of, temp, of the tempeh. And I put it in a frying pan and just brown it on the bottom. And then put four little of those slices on top of the tomato. And then on top of that, you can put a whole handful of spinach or arugula or any or cooked kale and top it with another piece of slice of bread and put that in the panini and let it go. And it is so good. It's sort of like having a BLT. It, it has the, that smoky, yeah. nice taste. You liked it, Rip. Oh, I, 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 could, I could down six of those halves mm-hmm. in two seconds. Jane, so that's the latest. No, that is the latest. Jane, what's your favorite sandwich these days? I've been trying. Just go with it, Rip. I know you don't like it, but eggplant. There's this amazing way. I'll try and go with it. Yes. <laughs> it, this, it, and it's like this um, it's sort of a Japanese, uh, I can't say the proper name of it, but it has this miso mirin glazy thing baked into it, which I love. And I was so excited about it. I made it for mommy and daddy, daddy the other day, and I overglazed it, and it was just too much. There were, and nothing's ever too much. But she says I, too I much. I eat everything then, Jane makes, but I couldn't eat that. But because I overdid. It. But anyway, and then also I'm trying this with uh, mustard and nutritional yeast, and I'm having some fun with eggplants, which is going to sound really racy, but to say, but I, and I know you don't like eggplant, but it. No, it's I, been fun. I, I, I don't, unless it's cut really, really thin, and it's it's. The dickens are yes. cooked out of it. Yep. And, You'll yeah. like this. Yep. <laughs> well, like I it. look forward to trying it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, now another another exciting thing that that I've discovered a while ago, but I still love, are the watermelon radishes. They are oh. gorgeous. They mm. are bright, bright red inside. And they are fun to use in an open-faced sandwich or just anywhere in a you salad. You eat with your eyes so much, Mommy. You, you eat know? with your eyes. Well, everybody it starts, does. You know, the food starts with your eyes, doesn't yeah, it? That's, yeah. That's where it all begins. No, that's, it's such a beautiful... Um, um, oh, it was so sad. We had our, on our YouTube shoot, we were going to do our watermelon radish sandwiches. I don't even know if we posted it. But she was building up and building up this expectation for this amazing radish. And here's this like sort of turdy looking thing that she's going to be... When you cut it open, it's so beautiful. It wasn't good. It was. It was a. It was a. It was, it was, a, it was a dud. It was, it was a dud. It was a total oh. dud. <laughs> it was so sad. And the outside of the watermelon radishes look like a beet. Brown. Yeah, a little beet. Yeah, they don't have nothing. Some of this may be repetitive, but I just want to repeat it because I think it's so important to the way that we, um, as Esselstyns, eat. And so we eat a lot of potatoes. What would you say is your favorite topping for potatoes? I mean, just to be simple and not have to make a sauce, hummus would be fine on top J- of Jane's potato. got a, uh, <laughs> a hairball in her throat right now. So. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jane, go ahead. What would I, you... Well, like I said in the, uh, earlier about the potato bar, some of us love to have um, black beans or pinto beans on top. <clears throat> and some of us love to have the well, vegetables are obviously in there, like green peppers and red peppers and green onions, tomatoes, all kinds of cilantro or even basil sometimes. And in the summertime, we'll have a sort of a, I don't know. Oh, like, what? Perfectly good. Just put a little great balsamic vinegar too on top. Of yes. I'm, lighter so vinegar. This is, I don't, I, I'm just looking for like one 
thing that you're going to well, top I, your I put potato a t- with? Salsa. Salsa is great. Okay, potato. See, that, okay. There. So now your favorite now, salsa. Yes. Put on barbecue sauce. Okay. Barbecue sauce or salsa. And, and then add more things if you can. Yeah. I would but, put vegetables on top if you can, or just the, chop parsley. Salad, uh, parsley on, on you top know what? of your potato. And if you're really hard up against it, hummus. Mm. And, and surprisingly, you know, potatoes are not bad plain, especially the Yukon Gold yeah. are really good. Yeah. So sweet potatoes, pretty much the same thing. Sweet potatoes are great with lime on them, with oh, yeah. with salsa, uh, like a pineapple salsa. And uh, I mean, you're trying to keep it simple here, Rip. Um, Just black beans on top and some red peppers. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, we, were, we were presenting. I know I could do sriracha. Oh, you like sriracha? I just I could just do Yukon Gold with sriracha. But the problem is sriracha is just too hot for a lot of people. Right. And so you have to be a Texan type. Yeah. I love it. And I heard the other day some people were, uh, we were presenting at the Cuyahoga County Board of Health um, with the Esselstyn Foundation, trying to uh, educate the influencers here in our own you know county to, to go out and share this message. And this one woman said, you know, I love this one person I work with. She always says, okay, before we have our meeting, what's your new favorite thing to eat? And she said that her friend said, my favorite new breakfast is to have a sweet potato with just, a, just spread with a thin layer of peanut butter and a kiss of lime. Oh, wow. And I thought, what an interesting breakfast. Sweet potato with a little bit of peanut butter and a little bit of lime. And I loved it because having citrus or having a lime, having some sort of you know, citrus fruit with your food, with your meal, helps mobilize iron in your yeah. blood. And just, I was like, that's a pretty impressive breakfast. To- no, I, what, I, what I love is that I've never heard that before. So that's oh. something that's brand new and it probably is for a lot of people. I want to move on to snacks. So for people that feel, well, and you probably don't snack, maybe you do these days. I don't know where you are. But for people that like... Want to know what do you guys snack on? What are your go-to snacks? Okay. I'm just going to speak on snacks. And that is that I think snacks can get people into trouble if they are particularly if you have any kind of issue with weight. If you don't, then then you need to snack. But if you do, I would say control yourself as much as you can between meals because the problem with snacks are when is it, when do you stop? When do you stop finishing the box of crackers. Um, mm-hmm. So I think to me that is an issue. But if you're going to snack, I would say try and go to fruit and to, to raw vegetables. And one of the things I really love is to take hummus and mix a little balsamic vinegar with it and use that as a dip. And it's very quick and easy and so good. Mm. With carrots, I especially like it with red peppers, any kind of peppers. Okay. Jane? What do you do for um, snacking? Well, we eat so much at our meals that we don't really snack that much. But I know like our our kids who are athletes, they um are looking to snack on stuff. And I cannot say it enough, and it sounds so boring, but fruit, Mother Nature packaged these things, individual serving size with just the perfect amount of sugar and water and fiber and protein and fats. I mean, a banana individually packaged and wrapped. I mean, Mother Nature knew what she was doing. An apple, an orange, a peach, a plum. What about? They're perfect. You ever you ever make stone scones that you uh, snack on? Or um, that, what's, what's well, those, this? that's more of a dessert. Mm. I mean, this, I, but those are for my kids when I was looking to find a mountain of calories for them to have because they're working out, you know, four hours a day and lifting and swimming and right. growing. And so that's a total different ball game. But snacking-wise... Um, I often have like, I'll have a, I'd like, this sounds so 80s. Someone was so f- surprised that I still eat rice cakes, but I love rice oh, yeah, cakes. I love them too. With, um, with hummus or <clears throat> I actually like to slice up pears when they're really, really ripe and have them hmm. on rice cakes, um, peaches too. And, and actually, Jane, it makes me think of something that for people, instead of using jam and sugary things, Put fresh fruit on toast, and it's so good. Totally. totally. Yeah. Bananas, Any strawberries, kind of, yeah. peaches. What about Amazing. And there's nothing. Nothing. Oh, my God, Rip. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's nothing as good as a fresh peach on a piece of, on a, on a piece of toast. Uh, it is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Better than the best jam. It has to be really crisp for you, though, right? 
And what, well, yeah, so the toast. You, it seems like whenever I'm home, you almost ninety percent of the time you have a salad, a big salad that you and you and Essie have for dinner. What's your go-to salad dressing that you 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 put on there? Their I blood is made of it. <laughs> hummus, um, mustard, I, or orange, or an orange juice. I, if I don't always have orange juice, if you take an orange and cut out the section and squeeze the juice, and then balsamic vinegar. And I also always love to put in, chop in some fresh ginger. I do that every night, and it takes me three minutes. So, Jane, you mentioned eggplant mm -hmm. just a second ago i'm wondering if there's any particular um fruit or vegetable or whole grain or bean that you guys at some point could did not like just had no had no appeal to you and now and now you're like you've made a 180 and you just love it um I don't like olives, and I don't think I want to like olives. <laughs> you don't like olives either. No. And last time I know we talked about the five kitchen gadgets that you couldn't live without, but I'm just going to throw it out there again, and you can only get one. What's like the latest kitchen gadget that you're like I think we would have both agreed. About? The Tovolo. Tovolo. The Tovolo? It's this. <clears throat> what in the world is a Tovolo? It's, I think it's the – we should be sponsored by Tovolo. We talk about yeah. it so much. It's this um, – tool that well, I don't use any of my wooden spoons, any spoons and cooking. Or, or rubber I, spatulas. It's kind of like a spatula. That's it's, the rubber, yeah. It has two different ends. Yeah, one yeah. end is... You sent me one. Then and, you haven't experienced it yet? No, I, I have, but not to the extent... And you can have. scrape things out and you yeah, can One end's sort of stir. flexible and one end's firm. That's mm -hmm. great. It's the perfect, okay. perfect. balance. Perfect. <clears throat> so what I want to do now is I'm going to go through a bunch of different things and I want you to tell me... Um, What's your favorite product? Um, and I'd prefer if you would not say Engine 2 unless you feel like, you know, that's the one. But um, Mommy so will example, always say Engine 2. <laughs> so, for example, what is your... I love what, Engine 2 I know, fans. You, I know you do. What is your favorite pizza base? If it wasn't the Engine 2 pizza crust, what would it be? Sammy's. 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 Okay. For people who have no think, idea what Sammy's is. But I don't know if they... I don't know if they... Yeah, they have oil a, now. I don't, well, anyway, S A M I out of Orlando, Florida. Oh, that was Dallas. And it's a flax and millet. Um, mm. millet crust. Okay, all right. What's your favorite sandwich bread? Right now, Ezekiel. Ezekiel is perfect. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, Dave's killer bread is more appealing to the masses, but they've just sold to somebody, and they believe they're going to use oil. Right. We gotta. We gotta. Call them. Well, yeah. sorry. And as you hopefully you listeners know, we are not a fan of, of oil, uh, whether it's, you know, Fathering My Father's program or the Engine 2 program or any program, we're, we're not a fan of added oils for numerous reasons, which I don't want to get into right now. Um, what about vegetable stock? You guys have a favorite vegetable stock? I always look for a low sodium, no, no added sodium. I, I, you just, I, all I can tell you, is read the ingredients. It, it is perfectly shocking that there is sugar, there is oil added, and there's a lot of sodium to so many of them, which is one reason I like, I'm sorry, Rip, I like the Engine 2 one, but I also like Pacific makes yeah. a nice low-sodium one. Mm -hmm. And then so many grocery stores may carry some of their own that are fine. All right. What about favorite hummus? Uh, right now, uh, Engine 2 is the only hummus I use. Sorry. <laughs> I know there's some other ones. Well, there's some other ones here in Cleveland that you oh, bully. Sahara Cuisine, Sahara Cuisine and Amir's. Like. Yeah. They're, they're but they're great. not across the country. and that is, No, but, but you have, let me just say that you've bullied three companies now in Northeast Ohio, or bullied two of them, to carrying this oil-free, tahini-free hummus. Mm. Some um, Some companies, I think, I've seen one in Colorado that just had an oil-free hummus. Yeah, there's was, definitely some. They're, they're out there, so just ask if people yeah. have it. Ask why? Well, why do you not make your own hummus? Because I want life to be simple, and I get about eight hummuses at a time, and they last forever. And no, they last you about a week. Well, you know, they last. Jane, you make hummus, right? We make, well, I make uh, I, we make all kinds of stuff. Brian makes a great black bean hummus. Um, and 
I mean, I know yeah. in the Engine 2 cookbook, we must have, oh, or the different oh, yeah. cookbooks, we've got probably Hot pink hummus. 12 different hummuses. Oh, Rip, yeah, yeah. do you make your own hummus? Every week. You do. I'm impressed. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. I'm wink. impressed. Every week, I pick it up at the store, Engine 2, I make my own. <laughs> make my own hummus run. <laughs> he makes his own hummus. <sighs> no, right, I think hummus, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't have an oil-free one available. It is very easy to make your own Well, you hummus. have to have a high and what I like about it, and a, or a... What I like about it is you can add things you want to make it taste the way you like it to taste. Yeah, beets make it hot pink. You can add... You, you can know, add vinegar. Hot, hot and, or you can and, add sriracha. I mean, yeah. you could add yes. things to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So many. So speaking ones. of sriracha, what Anne and what Jane are your favorite hot sauces? Sriracha with a green lid. Um, I don't eat it on stuff. I put it in recipes, and I use the sriracha with the the green lid because that's what the one we have. Mm. I also use Cholula, but I, sometimes I just like um, cayenne. Like I don't I don't like hot sauce mm. on my food. I like it. In a recipe for what it does, it sort of kicks it into flavor land. I like I like the Ninja Squirrel Sriracha sauce that Derek and or Derek Sarno uh, and Chad made. Or, no, Derek. Made oh, Derek it. made it. Okay, Derek made it, and it's it's kind of a Whole Food exclusive. Then there's this Yellow Bird, right sauce. Have you heard of Yellow Bird? It's out of Austin, Texas. It's like becoming insanely popular. It's really nice. So, Rip, I put one tape, tape, one teaspoon of sriracha hot sauce in this amazing breakfast, breakfast <laughs> oats. steel cut oats that I make, and I, it doesn't take. It just gives it, uh, it, it, it ups it without making it too hot. It's amazing. So I've heard you both mention mustard several times. You have a favorite mustard that you use, or does it depend upon what you're making, what kind of mustard you're going to use? Uh, for me, it depends on what's in the refrigerator. Yeah, whatever's the cheapest one that month or the week. Although West Bray, I think it's West Bray, makes a mustard that has no added salt hmm. if somebody is interested. But I, I love trying different mustards. I mean, there's so many different, like, the, you know, stone ground or mm -hmm. even just bright yellow sometimes is what the recipe calls for. You had a Jack Daniels mustard for a while that was a riot. I got a moonshine mustard right now. <laughs> that Jack Daniels mustard actually have some alcohol in it. I, I think it was. Check. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Jack Daniels made it. I think it had the symbol on it or the brand on it. Jane, um, I know that you love pickled ginger. You love it. Huge fan. Uh, what are some ways that you use it? Because I think it might surprise some people. Oh, of course we use it in. Um, we use it in. When we roll our own nori, like you know, our own uh, sushi medallions of rice, and it's wonderful on that. Um, I also love using it. We have a edamame pickle ginger hummus, which is sort of like a. It's this beautiful hummus we have at uh, the Engine Two Immersions, which are so fun, and we love the sandwich hummus day because it's like the flags of many nation on your piece of bread. You put the green edamame pickle ginger hummus and then you put the regular hummus and then we have a um a, what's the red one we have like a beet hummus um oh god what's I, i'm I'll, it'll come to me but there's a there's the green there's the white there's the red it looks like you know the flag of france or something flag of many nations um so it's great to have it in hummus and i love having it on my steel cut oats with nutritional what? yeast in the morning with kale how does that sound to you, Anne? Because you've you kind of are the one. Oh, she's the savior. She's the taught me. She's well, my mentor. I tell you, you're my mentor. <laughs> I, I I tell you one of the ways that I haven't done it for a long time, but in the in in the prevent and reverse heart disease book that my husband did, the last recipe. Well, you did the recipes. Maple, Let me say that I did the recipes, but the last recipe is a recipe on um, maple. It's maple maple cookies of some kind. And I and I sort of based it on a Martha Stewart recipe, but it's of course got none of the ingredients of Martha Stewart. And so one day I thought, well, I'm going to try something else. And I and it's sort of a maple ginger cookie. That's what it is. So I put pickled ginger in it, and oh my gosh! That, that's that's a nutty in way. Cookies, yeah. Yeah, cookies <laughs> and then steel cut oats. <laughs> with pickled ginger. So let's say you have somebody that is absolutely insists that they can't stand Brussels sprouts. 
but you want to figure out a way to make them love Brussels sprouts. How mm. would you Jane, how would you, you prepare Brussels sprouts? Jane, you, you could give them your way. Yeah, well, um, we have in our Plant Strong book Brussels sprouts with game, and we had those the other night actually. Um, it's just Brussels sprouts with uh, a teeny bit of maple syrup and black pepper, and then cooked um, with you, foil on top. You cut them in half. Uh, yeah, if they're big, yeah. If they're if they're little wee ones, yeah. I, I, think I wouldn't cut them. It's good to cut them. them in half if people don't like them, probably. Uh, I find roasting them just roasting totally them. like takes the bitterness out. What do you roast them with? Oh, I just I just uh, spritz them with a little bit of water. Then I'll like do a little bit of salt, pepper, um, some red chili flakes, and then that's I'd it. I put balsamic I vinegar. I put balsamic vinegar on them. Shocking. <laughs> Well, so you say shocking. So you also refer to Anne as the acid queen. Why, and we just, she just, we just actually have a limited edition T-shirt out that has the crowd designed. It has um has a picture of a lemon being squeezed, and it's out of the juice, and the drop is a uh, a little drop. It says acid queen, in honor of Anne and all the influence she's had on us and our and our food as far as her acid levels. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Vinegar is your. The vinegar must come out of like vinegar your fingertips. Vinegar and lemon and lime. lime, orange. Yeah. So I'm going to move on from Brussels sprouts and acid queen to broccoli. So there's a debate going on between you two as far as what's the best way to test if your broccoli is done. I think you you guys from from what I've heard you disagree. So Jane, what do you what do you, what's your way of checking to see if broccoli is done? And Anne, what do you do? I don't know. Like well, I just vary. test it when it's, it tastes right. Now, the 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 thing is that when it tastes instance, right, when it tastes right, <laughs> that sounds pretty but, ambiguous. I know, I know. So I get to eat a lot of broccoli before <laughs> before dinner. But uh, Jane, a lot of people like broccoli, so it's really stiff, still kind of. And I, we like it when it's soft. I, I like. I it. don't mean mushy, but just that it holds together. Mm. The the little florets don't mush. But that it's just you could take a nice bite and it's just so easy to eat. Yeah, and and some people I think it's when they're if it's easier to eat some food, then they should cook it so it's easier to eat. Like kale, cook it till it's like defeated, flattened. You know. Well, Rip, you tamed. have a way that you. But I like to cook broccoli until it's a nice. The green goes from being like a raw vegetable green to like a this beautiful verde, um, bright cooked green and then if I can remember to take it off in time before the florets flatten and get overcooked I like to do that and my family likes it a little bit firmer than I do because I was raised under your broccoli well but Jane you have something. In the, in, yeah I think it's in the seven day rescue yeah and I learned this from a neighbor of mine Blake's broccoli Blake uh, Trabalski is that you you put it in the steamer basket with the you know the the lid on there you put it on high 10 minutes, and in 10 minutes, you take it off, you dump it on the plate, you put a little bit of salt and pepper on it, and it's a, this beautiful bright green color. And ideally, you put a fork through the stem, and it kind of goes into it, you know, not like butter, but it goes through it relatively easily. And Why it, would you put salt on it? That ruins it. You know what? I do not mind a little bit of topical salt, right? I don't cook with salt. But I do a little bit of topical salt, and I don't have a, I don't really have a problem with it. Apparently, you do. Yeah, no, I don't have any salt at our house. Mm. It's just you know, I've lost my taste for salt. Yeah, yeah. I guess your, I guess your taste I, I changes. Guess I'm not Rip. as far along as you. <laughs> no, your taste changes. It does change. <laughs> no. totally. All right. Well, speaking of that, what's a herb or spice that you couldn't live without? Oh, that's you, that that that's unfair. One. Well, one? one or two, sure. I love, they all come in such partnerships, though. Like, to have... For basil with some things, like with tomato. You need to be, well, like um, basil, rosemary, tarragon, garlic, all together in that marinade with red peppers. You can't take one out. What about you? But then cumin and and cumin and coriander with, with uh, a little bit of... Chili and cayenne um, and cilantro. Like the I know. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Turmeric. 
I was just going to say that's turmeric. that's what I use. That's what that's what but you that's can't the little up. jar that and and I and I like it not necessarily because of its taste, which yeah. I think well, you were asking, enhancing because it's anti-inflammatory anti yeah. and it is so healthful that that is the thing that I have to replace my little jar so often and more than anything else. I buy a big thing of oregano. I use it more. I use it more than I mm. think. Hmm. Than most, or garlic, I wouldn't live without. Yeah, yeah. Jane, yes. um, so you've got three kids. Two of them are college swimmers. Uh, your youngest is still at home, but is you know one of the top high school swimmers in, in in Ohio. Do you feel at all worried that your kids aren't getting like everything they need or all the calories they need? you know, training four to six hours a day? No. Or do you feel like on a plant-strong diet, they're hitting everything, getting everything they need? The kids at college, I, you know, I obviously don't know what they eat day to day, but I, I hear some things. And um, fortunately, work, uh, Kenyon College, is, I don't, I've worked with them because I, have, I run a camp there in the summer. And before I ran the camp for um, called Well Now for Plant-Based Women Warriors, I had, I worked with Kenyon College and their menu over the course of a year. So our daughter would write home and say, oh my God, mommy, tonight they had lightning bowl. Oh my God, mommy, tonight they had eat loaf. Oh my gosh, tonight we're having a potato bar. Like they were practicing all year long. So I know that she was in a place where they're open to working on that kind of stuff. And she was not complaining about food at all. And that she seems perfectly strong and healthy. And our son, um, he's having a harder time navigating food so uh, occasionally on my e um, email, I see a receipt for all these little restaurants he goes to mm -hmm. in town to keep up. But he's huge. He's 6'7", and he's trying to weigh over 175 and training hours and hours a day. So These guys have been playing strong for the most part their whole entire life, right? Yeah. They, they can make their way. They learn how to make their way, just the way that we all learn how to make our way. And, they're, and interestingly, as, they get, as all these grandchildren of ours get older, they are oddly more passionate and kind of uh, have stronger feelings year after year. about being plant-based. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think look back to the, we had, when we had Thanksgiving this year and there were what, 42, 40, 44 of us. And the cool thing to me is that it's not just our family, right? And like all of our kids, but it's also like all of our cousins and cousins, see, like, all the kids. relatives. It's amazing how this thing has come full swing now. And one of the interesting thing, Rip, is yeah. the parents of some of our of your cousins are not necessarily full time plant based, but their children are yeah. Yeah. very strongly so. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 interesting. Yeah. So a bunch of them came up and said they were listening to the Plant Strong podcast or, you know, they saw Game Changers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's a thing. I mean, when I think about when you and Essie started this in 1984 and you were like considered complete outliers, right? Like I've heard you say that everybody in the community could have fit, uh, fit underneath one little, you know, 10 by 10 tent. And today you've got one of the presidents, uh, one of the uh, people running for president, that is vegan. You got, you know, um, Eric Adams, who's running for New York City mayor, who's vegan. You've got the game changers that's out there. You have all these celebrities that are vegan, all these athletes that are vegan. I mean, how restaurants that are vegan, restaurants that serve all kinds of vegan options. You can be watching, uh, you know, a football game on Sunday and you see a, a, a commercial some, for the Impossible Burger at Burger King. Well, no, and some stadiums I hear also have San Francisco vegan options in the stadium during like. NFL or whatever games they do. they do. And when I was at Seattle Seahawks game last year with my son, uh, they they had a whole you know plant based stand there as well. That's great. But I mean, what? How excited does it make you to think how far we've come in the last thirty five years since UNSC embarked on this? No, I mean it's amazing, and I think the internet has probably had a a lot to do with it because there was no internet when we started and. We didn't know anybody at all, so it was just figure it out, you know, make, we had the same thing. And also, you know, there's no problem about eating the same thing all the time. 
if that's the easiest thing for you. Mm -hmm. But I like how I uh, recently talking to a cousin of mine, she was saying how she likes to try to eat as, as just a variety of vegetables and a variety of grains. And just the variety show is really good for our microbiomes and our body and the colors. And she tries to well, eat she 30, 30. 30 different vegetables a, a week. A week. 30 different colors, shapes, textures yeah. a week. And we're just now starting to learn about the microbiome and right mm -hmm. and the role that it plays in our not only our I think our gut health but our brain health and our overall health and yeah, I, you know what Rip, that makes me think that one of the problems that we all we all get into is we find one thing that we like and we just have that and have that and have that and so this idea of trying these different things um, is a really good idea so that you do get the variety and not just have broccoli every night or not have kale the only green that you have or not you know you yeah but you know what here's the thing but what, if you if, but, if kids if kids only like broccoli yeah better give them give kids them. broccoli every night but like when i think about for example just my breakfast bowl and i think about okay i usually typically have three or four different types of fruit that i throw in there some walnuts some ground flaxseed meal you got the oats and you've got also you know the toasted wheat flakes, you've got the bite-sized shredded wheat. I mean, just in my breakfast bowl, I'm probably getting 12 to 15 different varieties of, you know, grains and and veg, uh, grains and fruit, really, truly, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think 30 is, even if you're keeping it simple, well, I don't think forget, you're still she probably was thinking get 30. 30 different vegetables yeah, and not including grains. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that, what's the cool is it makes you think, okay, I'm going to have a salad and you're not going to have like iceberg lettuce with a tomato wedge. You're going to have spring greens and maybe some radishes. endive with radishes and sprouts and uh, some pomegranate seeds and cucumber and on and on and so on. One of the new things that's more easily available to people if you don't grow your own are some of the microgreens and some of the sprouted. I mean, I think that is all really valuable to try and get into your eating and into your salads. Yeah. And in, or into your sandwiches. I mean, that's a great... Into your panini. Well, I don't know <laughs> if you want... But, you know, if you're making... We make a lot of open-faced sandwiches. And, um, and that's great to put those microgreens on top. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about... <clears throat> we, don't, we don't do any added oil um, when we cook. But what are some, some tips, Jane, that you would give to people that allows people to cook without using oil, for people that think they need to cook with oil. Like, give, give some examples. Well, just... Like, let's say you're starting with maybe you want to do a stir-fry. Just, you don't need to use anything else instead, necessarily. You just have to have heat, and you have to pay attention to the beginning thing you put in there, which is probably going to be an onion, because it needs to cook a little longer, get a little translucent. And onions are filled with water. So they, so they, they, have they, release, they release their fluid as they're cooking them. And if you start high, just turn it down to medium high once it starts to brown, and lift off some of the, the, the what looks like brown in your pan, which is actually a little bit of the sugar from the onion. Just lift it off with a little bit of water, or if you're cooking with wine or uh, uh, broth, um, add it to that, and then just you have to pay attention to your vegetables. You can't walk away from them when they're sealed in oil. It's like sealing a person in sunscreen and putting them out in the sun. You know, we're just having you pay attention to your vegetables and fruit and vegetables more like you would yourself if you were out in the sun without being coated in sunscreen. So let's say you're doing garlic doesn't cook by itself, so it needs a little liquid in the bottom right. of your pan right. or or an onion in there and, already. And mushrooms cook by themselves. Okay, so okay. what kind of liquid would you use for garlic? Water, beer, wine, Veggie vegetable broth. broth. Uh, yeah. So, Jane, let's say that we want to do the roasted Brussels sprouts. How do I do that if I'm not going to use any oil? Oh, okay. Well, probably the way that um, you talked about it earlier in the podcast is you have a pan and you put a sheet of parchment paper down because parchment paper allows things to brown without um, catching on fire the way that wax paper would and or, and, or without using oil. And just roast them under uh, whatever whatever topping you want on there. Like, so so season, 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 so so the answer the so <laughs> the thing is parchment paper. Parchment paper is the answer. Parchment paper is your friend. It allows you to cook without oil. Yes, parchment paper is my best friend these days. Right, and then let's say you're making, um, I mean, muffins. What what do you do if you're doing muffin tins? 
Well, there's a couple things you can do. There's um, great, great new silicone, um, silicone-shaped muffin tins or pans, but they're really flexible, so you have to put them on a tray to keep them from like dribbling your muffin filling out. Um, but there's also from certain stores, like my mom got me a great nonstick muffin tin. I think you got it from, where'd you get it from? Um, I got it from... Maybe, I mean, I think it may have been one of the fancy Williams-Sonoma, but anyway, William it's a, Sonoma. It's it a golden pan and it, it's a nonstick pan and it's wonderful. I, so I cook my muffins in a nonstick pan or in a silicone um, uh, muffin wells. Mm-hmm. Now, if people don't have that and have to have a cook something in, then you could put oil, take, spray it, and yeah. then wipe it off, all that oil off with paper towel. Yeah. I know, like, for example, with pancakes, I have a cast iron skillet. And so I find it very difficult to do pancakes well. I add that'd be hard. You got what it. For pancakes and waffles, you've got to have nonstick. Well, well, I understand. But if you have cast iron, right, what I find is I, I can use just a little bit of uh, some sort of a, you know, a spray, and then I wipe it down with a um, paper towel. With a little bit of a paper towel, and then that first pancake—that's the only time I use it. And then after that, I don't have to use any more oil yeah. typically. Oh, that's yeah, which is nice. That's amazing testament to how little a surface you need yeah. to have that protective layer of oil from the non for it to not stick. Yeah, and no oil. Sounds like such a huge barrier to so many people, and it is such. It makes such a difference yeah. overall once you've gotten used to, get, you know, been able to do it. Well, um, you guys, I want you to know that. So, season two of the the, the podcast, mm-hmm. it's really about people who are changing changing the game, who are um, just blazing kind of new trails. People who are. They have the heart of a hero and you guys are doing amazing things. You know, Jane, all the work that you're doing, the events that you're throwing, you know, your Instagram channel, uh, your YouTube channel, and you and, and Essie going back to 1984 before this was even a thing and nobody even knew that, you know, what kind of impact this would have. It was just kind of an experiment. And now 35 years later, we know that this is the best way on the planet to not only prevent, but also reverse, you know, major chronic Western diseases. Um, before I leave, is there anything else that you guys want to add uh, about anything? Well, I would say that the most amazing thing, Rip, is what you have done, where you have picked up and developed this and made something huge. You've offered the food that people can eat to feel safe. You taught them how to do it, where to buy it, and then you've offered them these amazing immersions where they can go and live it and believe it and know it and feel it and come out ahead. You know a, a friend of mine we, said, Rip, Rip has been a genius. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, <laughs> she said, Rip took your dad's message, which was sort of clinical and dry, and, and he somehow made this message about eating only plants, it's like, sexy. And I was like, I'm glad you see it that way, all right. Yeah, well, it's wonderful to have no. No, Rip, a mother and a You need a to keep this are... part in. <laughs> what, which part? No cutting out what we say about you. Let me just, um, oh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we gotta wrap it up the way we always wrap it up, and that is, if you guys could give me one of your hands, Peace, engine two, two. keep it plant strong. Strong. <laughs> All right. Thanks. See you guys Thank soon. Thank you. What can I say? Jane and Ann are an absolute hoot. They make eating plant strong delicious, simple, fun, and creative. And they do it in a way that is educational and beyond entertaining. If you want a front row seat to see Jane and Ann in the flesh, I would encourage you to come to one of our retreats in 2020. Our June retreat is filled up. 
and we still have availability for our September or October events. Our September retreat will be on the pristine shores of Lake George in upstate New York in the Adirondack region. Its theme is taken from the podcast this year, The Heart of a Hero, and this will be a little bit more playful in nature as opposed to lecture heavy, and we will be doing um, a fair amount of hiking, of swimming, yoga, um, sailing, kayaking, canoeing, archery, shuffleboard. It is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, Our October event will take place in beautiful Sedona, Arizona, and this will focus on helping you level up in your understanding and application of the Plant Strong lifestyle. I would encourage you to, uh, to come and spend a week with us. You will not regret it. Please visit plantstrong.com and click on events. My mother and sister truly do have the hearts of a hero, and I'm so insanely proud to be a part of a family that is this passionate about health and vitality. If you can't get enough of these two, we're going to share um, share their YouTube channel in the show notes and on our website at plantstrongpodcast.com. Next week, he's back. One of your favorites and mine, Dr. Michael Clapper returns to the Plant Strong Podcast to discuss why every bite counts. I want to thank all of you who take the time to subscribe, listen, rate, and review us. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. I want you to know that we read each and every one of your reviews and we appreciate each and every one. If you want to learn more about this season or today's guests and sponsors, please visit plantstrongpodcast.com. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Scott Battisill, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.